welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hey, superstars, welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. For those who are new to my podcast, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. This is a podcast where I talk about quantum languaging, how language is always, always, always programming the subconscious mind, programming you, me, and all of us, programming our collective reality at large, and how to use language to uplift, transform, inspire, course correct ourselves and our world at large. I also talk about propaganda, 
social engineering. I have some unpopular opinions on things. There is a big dose of cultural criticism in what I do as a journalist who has been effectively kicked out of mainstream journalism. And when I say mainstream journalism, I'm being extremely generous and inexacting in my use of the word journalism, which these days is pretty much a euphemism for over the top government propaganda. <laughs> but with that, you know, informing my lens of perception and my career at large, I, I do like to focus on how we are being propagandized and how we can safeguard ourselves from propaganda, media manipulation, and mind control. As well, I do like to offer my big fat opinions on how to make the world better. I am very, very solutions focused. So I'm always looking for root causes, like let's just get to the source of it. And what are our solutions that allow us to empower ourselves and change ourselves and our world for the better. Reminding you to click that subscribe button, to like, to share, to comment. Also reminding you, inviting you to sign up for my newsletter at dannycats.com, also at quantumlanguaging.com, still the same newsletter, but <laughs> you have two web websites to choose from. Um, given the uh, massive amounts of big tech censorship, shadow banning, you know, shenanigans that make it harder for you to find my stuff or for me to get my stuff in front of your eyes. It's the best way to ensure that we stay in touch, the best way to ensure that you get to stay abreast on my every next offering, be it a course, a webinar, a live event, a new book. I do have my pop propaganda digital course dropping in January of 2024. Um, my very, very popular uh, 11 module homeschool course for teens is in the process of being digitized and turned into a course that is available 24 seven, wherever you are on the planet where you don't need me to teach it, it is appropriate for teens 14 and up. And that includes adults. I've gotten so many requests to um, teach a pop propaganda class for adults. So I decided to create this whole, like one big awesome digital course that is appropriate for teens and grownups alike. When you sign up for my newsletter, you will find out the very second it is ready to go, even though it is also available for presale now. As well, I am excited to hit the road in the spring and do a little book reading tour. So if you are living in a town where you would like me to come visit to do a language of betterarchy reading, please email me through my website or comment wherever you are tuning into this show um, and let me know what bookstore so I can get myself on their schedule and come visit you and dazzle you with a language of betterarchy reading. As well, if you are on Instagram, I recommend following me there, something.danny. And I think that does it for housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy the rest of my show. <laughs> podcast in this Gregorian 2024. Now we know that the Gregorian calendar is itself a giant psyop that makes no sense, right? We have some months have 30 days, some months have 31 days. There's the redheaded stepchild called February, which has 28 days most years, but not all years. 
and October is not the eighth month, December is not the 10th month. Regardless, there seems to be this indoctrinated consensus around our Gregorian calendar system. So welcome to 2024. And uh, here's to our best year ever yet. We have some changes in the Word Up podcast structure this year. I'm very excited to announce. I am going to be slowing my roll on the interviews. I had actually thought to do away with the interviews altogether. And when I announced it to some folks in the community and my friends, everyone was like, no, 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 please don't do that. So my intention in slowing my role on the interviews was to make more space for me to stay in my zone of genius and to talk to you and me and all of us about quantum languaging, the language of betterarchy, propaganda, media manipulation, um, and all of the things that I write books about, teach courses about, et cetera, et cetera. It seems that people get a kick out of my interviews specifically because very often when I'm interviewing someone, they'll say something along the lines of, hmm, I hadn't thought about it that way, or, oh, I've never told anyone this before. So because I think, I'm guessing there's a yen for novelty that emerges from my interviews, people seem to like them. So I'm not doing away with them altogether. And I'm also going to be weaving in more solo podcasts um, as a means of sharing more quantum languaging insights with you and all of the other things that I mentioned. As well, there's a format shift because I'm very happy to announce a partnership with Progressive Radio Network. And so as my show is now going to be aired on Progressive Radio Network, as well as here on Locals and Odyssey and all of the audio podcasts, I'm sticking to a tight 55 minutes for the public facing portion of what I am putting out. And as those of you know, I have lots of extra subscriber content for my patrons and locals folks. And that's where I'm going to be posting second halves of interview conversations, unpopular opinions, propaganda analysis, etc, etc. For today, I want to dive in to, I was thinking, well, maybe I'll just launch 2024 with a general overview of the language of betterarchy, which I am excited to do. And I am inspired to focus on a specific, extremely deleterious and toxic languaging pattern that I have witnessed emerge um, in the larger discourse. But before I jump into that, there are a couple things that I want to speak to. Now, as you guys know, when um, when I'm, I'm honing in on an erroneous means of thinking or a, a pattern in language, behavior, thought processing, etc., etc., when I see patterns three times, I take it as a special clue from the multiverse that it's definitely something to speak to. As anyone who was ever a Schoolhouse Rock kid knows, three is the magic number. As we also know from various, you know, spiritual disciplines, metaphysics, et cetera, et cetera. So I had three coaching clients come to me with a slightly different version of the very same pattern. Um, so I want to speak to this directly so that we can launch our 2024 
with as few, as little baggage as possible, right? Um, I'm really inspired to support us in creating our best year ever yet in 2024, which is why the focus of today's podcast is on um, some errors in speaking, in thinking, in framing that I see us doing a collective body bad. So it started when one of my clients was talking about, you know, war X <laughs> happening overseas, where so many of us are outsourcing our outrage, I guess, because it feels a little bit too overwhelming for us to overhaul um, the various issues facing America. So it seems like when um, Hamas attacked Gaza on October 7th, it was this tremendous opportunity for people who are feeling frustrated and powerless here to muster up a lot of outrage and direct it towards that realm where we're not really responsible for implementing any changes. <laughs> anyway, she was saying how she can't truly be happy when she knows that other people in the world are suffering. And I've heard versions of this my whole life. I think we all have, right? Think of the, you know, the stereotype of the bleeding heart liberal, you know, who, who can't be happy until all the children of the world are fed and the wars have stopped, which there's an aspect of me that of, most of me thinks that's beautiful. I love that. And it's not really realistic. I heard another version of this in a different client who himself is transmuting a lot of self self-flagellation patterns. And so in the narrative that he has written for himself, whereas the rest of his life is all about penance, I heard him say, um, pleasure, there's no point in pleasure without purpose. It's a waste of time. It's indulgent, right? And I'm paraphrasing, but it was a version of this. And, and then there was a third client who threw in her own version of this same thing. And so the through line is we have individual humans claiming that the fix or the solution for the suffering that other people on the planet are enduring or engaging or the fix for transgressions or perceived transgressions executed in the past is to be miserable and to um, hold a sort of solidarity in our misery or our choice to not thrive or excel or experience joy because it wouldn't be fair to the people who are suffering. Now, as I see it, this, this perspective is inviting some reframing, is inviting a massive amount of, free, of reframing. So, First and foremost, we all take turns on this planet. Like suffering is baked into the human experience in this realm. And we all take turns. We take turns suffering. We take turns thriving. We take turns experience sickness or injury. And we take turns um, being in totally optimized states of health and well-being, right? We're always taking turns. Now, as far as how karma is distributed, how the good, the bad, the ugly is distributed, I can't really speak to that. I leave that to capital L life to figure out. And while it may seem as though some people endure more hardships, more suffering than others, I defer to, I'm pretty limited in this 3D meat suit, 
in the illusion of linear time and in the limitations of my five senses, six senses, whatever, <laughs> um, but in the limitations of how much I can truly see and grok from a very limited vantage point called third dimensional understanding existence and whatnot. From my perspective, and granted, we all have different cosmologies and I respect everyone's, but in my perspective, this is an eternal game. And this particular incarnation is blip in my soul's eternal journey. So when sucky stuff happens, and you know, if I defer to it's unfair, it's not cool, that is from a very limited perspective. I don't know what's happening in multidimensional eternal reality and what sort of karma is being rebalanced here, right? So, you know, if someone scratches my car and doesn't leave a note, I can choose to victimize myself to that and go into some like tragic bobagic, even though it's not really that tragic bobagic, but I could go into some story about how unfair it is, which it might be. But again, you know, we all have the God-given right to write our stories however we choose, which is the crux of my quantum languaging work and the crux of my coaching, which is, are the stories you're writing for yourself, true or not, um, making your load lighter, fueling you, uh, inspiring you with joy and confidence? Are you writing stories that are serving you? So if I write a story, that says this terrible atrocity unfairness has happened to me and I'm a victim, is that story helping me? Or am I gonna walk around, you know, for the next couple of days resenting whoever was rude enough to scratch my car? I could also write the story that it's probably a karmic rebalancing for something that I probably did to this person or their fractal line in another lifetime and trust that capital L life is figuring it out perfectly and that even though it doesn't make sense to me in this third dimensional realm that I'm perceiving through my very, very limited 3D monkey mind, um, that is a kinder story that is going to allow me to move past this injustice transgression more easily, right? So same goes with why do some people suffer? Like why do um, children in Africa not have enough clean drinking water or enough to eat? I don't know. I, I cannot answer that. But I know that me choosing to suffer here and be miserable and disasterbate and whine and complain about how unfair it is, A, is not helping to feed um, or hydrate those children in Africa. It's, it's literally doing nothing. And it's also bringing the collective health down. It's making the, the whole of humanity less functional, less healthy, less happy. Remember, the notion that we are one is not some like hippy dippy kumbaya mumbo jumbo. It's actually true. We know this through Lyle Watson's work, um, Rupert Sheldrake's work, right? Anyone who's talking about the morphogenetic field, the collective consciousness understands that we are a singular field of energy that is expressing itself in these unique individual ways, right? We can think of ourselves as waves in the ocean or bubbles that emerge, you know, at the top level of the ocean, but it's still a singular ocean. And none of this is to, 
to deny our individuality, our individual experiences, but it is to root us in the fundamental truth of our unified oneness, right? And so when parts of this singular humanity are suffering, it creates stress on the whole of humanity. I like to think of it as the human body, right? So um, using that as a metaphor, right? Like taking my client who thinks that she cannot be happy while children are suffering, you know, from not enough food or in war-torn nations, et cetera, et cetera. So her idea for the fix is to suffer herself. I don't know what that's going to do. So using the metaphor of the human body, it's like, let's say I sprain my ankle. My ankle is swollen. My ankle's in pain. I can't put a lot of weight up on it. Now, what if all the rest of the cells in my body were like, whoa, we have a red alert. Uh, we have a body part that is, is suffered an injury. And what if like my liver and, you know, my heart and my corneas were like in solidarity in solidarity, we're going to shut down too. Um, what's that going to do? That's going to make the load on my singular human body even heavier. Because now instead of, you know, my white blood cells, my immune system, you know, whatever other systems go into healing a sprained angle, instead of them being to focus all their energy on the injury, which would be fostered by the rest of my body optimizing itself so it had a surplus of energy to lend to the healing task at hand. But if those other parts of my body decide, well, we're going to shut down too in solidarity, there's less healing energy available. My body is working an illion times harder to move me through the world because now it's not just a singular inner injury it's also my liver shut down my corneas aren't working very well my heart isn't working very well like everything is going to be harder that actually degrades the health of the whole it degrades my human body and is going to make healing um harder longer more drawn out less optimized like it's just not a solution right so the same thing goes when other people are suffering. For us to lower our own frequency in solidarity is to make humanity sicker. It is to lower the frequency of this singular energy field called humanity. It does absolutely nothing to actually heal. Now, by this same token, Anyone who's familiar with the work of Dr. David Hawkins, be it power versus force, the levels of consciousness, like I, if you've tuned into my show, you know that I'm a huge fan of Dr. David Hawkins' body of work, and I recommend every book he's written. But for any of us who have studied him, David Hawkins, he teaches us about the levels of consciousness, right? And how consciousness... Um, it evolves through the same levels, right? I'm folding in some Claire Graves right now in his spiral dynamics, but consciousness evolves through the same stages in the same order and how it's not like an equivalent, right? So let's use some random numbers. Let's just say, and I'm completely making this up, but let's just say that the average human consciousness can be calibrated at 500, okay? Now, if someone evolves their consciousness to, say, a thousand, 
it's not just one person operating at a higher level of consciousness. It's exponential in its influence on the whole of humanity. So one person who's operating at Christ consciousness will uplift the whole of humanity in a massive way. So when we have singular expressions of humanity, meaning individual humans who are having a hard time, when we lower our frequency and we contract our consciousness to meet them, we are lowering the frequency and bringing the whole of humanity down. By the same token, were we to say, oh, there are so many people suffering, I'm going to amplify my consciousness. I'm going to expand my consciousness. I'm going to extend my radiant joy and well-being as far as I can by thriving as much as I can. That is actually far more helpful to the whole, to the people in Syria, to the people in Flint, Michigan, to the children in Africa, right? Like they're actually far better served by us shining as brightly as we can, thriving as much as we can, optimizing our health, radiating joy, having blissful orgasms, like all of those things actually help and uplift humanity. So it is the exact opposite. And again, like, I respect the altruism informing the erroneous thought form that has people thinking that they need to suffer until everyone else is done suffering. Like, I get that it's coming from a good place while extremely misguided. But even think of bodhisattvas, right? Bodhisattvas are like, hey, I'm not going to graduate from this planet until everyone graduates, but they're not lowering their frequencies, right? They're not choosing to contract to suffer, to be um, a burden to the rest of humanity or to various societal structures, right? That actually doesn't work. They're like, no, I'm gonna continue to evolve my consciousness. I'm gonna continue to refine um, my mind, my consciousness, um, my heart, like all of these things. And I'm gonna sit here and, and I'm actually going to radiate my blessings, my spiritual intelligence, and the largesse of my consciousness here um, to help uplift humanity and move us all um, off the wheel of samsara together. Lastly is, and this is very much my own personal perspective, but I'm attuned to the concept of graciousness, right? And if we you know, if we turn to the Gene Keys, which is a spiritual transmission in a book that has um, influenced me quite a lot and that I reference quite a lot, the 22nd Gene Key in that system moves from the shadow of dishonor to the gift of graciousness to the city, S-I-D-D-H-I, right? The enlightened frequency of grace. So, you know, I, I think of graciousness as far as being a gracious guest and a gracious receiver, right? Like someone gives you a gift, say it's like a sweater, and we open the sweater and it's like, Ugh, I don't like this. That's not very gracious, right? We're not being very um, uh, um, appreciative or compassionate in receiving. So I also feel like, look, I don't know how source, how the greater intelligence decides to dole out the blessings and shadows 
that that energy doles out. For myself, I feel like I don't want to be an ingrate and deny the blessings that I've been given because that feels like an insult to the larger meta intelligence that, you know, from my belief structure is guiding this realm. So it also feels like it's really bad manners and like supreme shows in supreme lack of graciousness to deny the blessings we have to pretend that we don't have them to not unpack them and make best use of them like that just feels super it just feels like bad manners and i also can see this a lot in the um times onward ticking conversation and i will be doing a show this year probably multiple shows on the language of eternity and cluing all of us in to the mortality codes embedded in language. Um, well, it's actually the mortality codes that are embedded in our human vessels and cluing into the codes and keys in language that activates the mortality codes and teaching us ways of using language where we're moving around the mortality codes and not activating an accelerated or unnatural aging process unnecessarily. And in terms of witnessing friends of mine having a hard time with signs of times onward ticking appearing on their meat suits and fighting those signs i again go back to graciousness where it's like infinite intelligence has gifted me a pretty decent meat suit and i'm super very grateful and i'm not going to insult that intelligence or capital L life or my own journey on this planet in this realm by getting bunged up on lines or gray hairs or a change in skin tone like that just feels so ungrateful for the gifts that I've been given right like you know, and I, and I see this and I do, I work on this with my clients a lot where I'll have clients who will like complain about their thighs because they're bigger than they want them or they're not as firm as they want them. And I'm like, how about the fact that your thighs move you through the world and support your toes, torso all day, every day, never complain, you know, for the people who complain about their bellies, like how about being gracious and grateful for your belly for digesting and assimilating your nutrients and keeping you alive for for gifting you an intuition and connecting you to your gut and your higher knowingness, right? So bringing it back to this erroneous idea that our suffering is somehow noble and is somehow serving humanity, not only is it the exact opposite in terms of bringing the collective body down beyond wasting our own you know, our own incarnations and our own gifts, but it's also the aspect for me of being ungracious and ungrateful for the blessings that we do have, be it comfort, be it wealth, be it peace where we live and natural abundance, right? And like extending that gratitude to to nature, right? And to capital L life by taking making the most of what we've been given, right? Like, okay, here are all the elements and gifts that I have available right now. I I of course don't feel good that other people in the world are suffering and I do everything I can. You know, I, I have 
uh, multiple assistants living in uh, developing nations as a means of making sure that there's money circulating there, that I'm in touch with people who are living in different parts of the planet um, and that I'm, you know, I'm doing what I can. Now, it, granted, it's very small and still it's like I'm showing up for that, but I'm not going to deny the gifts that I have and choose to suffer lower vi my vibration, um, degrade my own immune system and my own life force um, out of this like ridiculous, erroneous belief system that that's going to alleviate anyone else's suffering. It's not. So my um, the reason why I'm sharing this with you and me and all of us now as we launch 2024 is to encourage us to experience and embrace as much joy and ease and health and wealth and communion and giggles as possible. And to know that in doing that, we're actually uplifting humanity. We're actually uplifting our entire human species because our particular node of it, right? Like let's, again, going back to the body. So let's say like this little Danny that I am is like the tippy top of this fingernail. Well, the healthier that this little teeny fingernail can be, maybe it has so much health, so much life force moving through it that it floods the rest of my hand. And maybe that gives my hand so much extra life force and health to share that that can flood into the rest of my body, right? And help heal our own species from within. And again, and I'm just really realizing this now, you know, it goes back to like healing ourselves, transforming ourselves, our culture, our planet is an inside job. So it's like, okay, if I'm going to defer my own happiness until everyone else is happy, what am I doing to alleviate the suffering on the planet? Or am I just sitting here like choosing to suffer while hoping that some outside force is gonna come in and make it all better? No, I'm going to take personal responsibility for my role as an integral part of this humanity, this culture, this planet, and I'm going to uplift it. I'm going to radiate as much joy and health and prosperity as possible so that I'm doing my part. You know, oftentimes when people ask what I do, because yes, I write books. Yes, I do transformational coaching. Yes, I consult um, with organizations and thought leaders and needle movers in using their languaging to transform the world for the better. So there are all these different things that I'm doing, but really when it comes down to it, like what is the through line and let's, let's fold podcasting in. I am modeling and encouraging two directional shifts. The first one is instead of looking behind us at the past, at what didn't work, at what we're bummed and sad happened, let's direct our attention forward into the future that we're choosing to see, choosing to live into, choosing to co-create, and use our language and our tools to stay tenaciously focused there and to live into those visions, right? So directional adjustment number one, instead of looking behind us, looking forward. Directional adjustment number two, instead of reaching outside of ourselves for validation, for empowerment, for improvements, for solutions, for acknowledgement, we reach inside of ourselves and we generate all of those things from the inside. So same goes for uplifting humanity, for healing humanity, for unifying humanity, for creating a more abundant, sustainable, 
peaceful world. Where are we as individuals offering that to the collective, being that, radiating that? So again, it's the complete opposite of saying, oh, I'm going to be miserable because everyone else is miserable. Mm. That is for sure what the powers that were the social engineers would like us to be doing, which is again why I encourage all of us rebel badasses to take the opposite tack by choosing to create the best, most joyful, wonderful, expressed, realized, you know, loved up lives we possibly can and allow those frequencies to uplift our entire species and to change society at large. Okay, I wanted to get that piece out of the way. I'm gonna check the timing since I'm on. I'm really devoted um, to this new 55 minute structure that I'm excited about. Remember, bonuses will be available on um, my Patreon and locals. I wanna talk about a very specific languaging pattern that I'm seeing do the, the collective body bad. And I write about this in my new book, The Language of Betterarchy, which I have at the ready. It is available in print, in audio, and in ebook. But in the language of betterarchy, I delineate the 10 markers of hierarchical languaging because the whole point of the book is to do away with the erroneous misconception that patriarchy is the end all be all of horrors on this planet and that the quote unquote fix is to put women on top, black people on top, trans people on top, you know, uh, differently abled giraffes on top, like whatever it is. Um, my theory is that if we have a system that is dependent upon a class of losers or several classes of losers for there to be winners, then this is a really stupid game. And it is time for us to evolve out of this organizational structure such that we're living in a win-win societal structure. And so as I pinpoint hierarchy as the true nexus of distortion, I pinpoint the 10 markers of hierarchical languaging such that you and me and all of us could start to see where we ourselves are responsible for sustaining such an inequitable, disempowering system with our language. Now, of course, we come by this honestly because we've inherited this language from the social engineers. And that language, right, hierarchy and the language of hierarchy is dependent upon inequity and disempowerment for it to sustain itself. Were we a completely empowered, unified, um species of humans who knew ourselves as resourceful and creative who who understood that this is a realm of abundance of enough to go around and that scarcity is a complete fiction that has been manufactured to divide control and enslave us none of the stuff that they're doing right now would work right when we know ourselves as empowered reality creators, then we understand that we have everything we need to shift our reality for the better. So some of these hierarchical languaging markers, limitation, lack, scarcity, fear, what I call wrong use of will, um, fixity, right? The illusion that the way things are is the way they have to be and the way that they will be in the future. But the mother load of them all is separation. 
And a lot of the hierarchical categories that I write about in the language of betterarchy, there's a lot of crossover between them, right? Sometimes something will come under the um, category of conflict at the same time that it'll come under the category of separation. What I'm observing is that separation is kind of the larger umbrella under which most of the hierarchical languaging patterns are being housed, right? Most of them are all have an aspect of separation. And what I, what I mean by separation is language that alleges that we are separate, um, right? I, you heard me talk about this earlier in this very podcast that we truly, really truly are a sing, like individualized expressions of a singular field of energy called humanity, right? So the social engineers, those who are, you know, the very, very small um, group of entities at the very tippy top of the hierarchical ladder who are benefiting from hierarchy, they are really dependent upon us buying into the illusion of our separateness, right? And it's from that basis, the illusion of separation, that we can start to demonize one another dehumanize one another, commit acts of violence against one another, right? None of those things are possible without separation. So, so much of our everyday lexicon is infused with the frequencies of separation. When you and I are speaking language that emits frequencies of separation, that is not it's programming you and me like whoever's in the conversation with those frequencies which is very often why conversations turn into arguments right because someone has inserted separation frequencies into the conversation and someone else is going on the defensive because their amygdala is saying hey i'm not safe someone's alleging that i'm separate and we're in danger right um so hierarchy is very very dependent upon this illusion of separation and so one of the ways that it does this, and there are so, so many, but one of the ways and what I want to address at the very top of this year, such that you and me and all of us can relinquish this particular pattern from our own personal lexicons is the dehumanizing ER suffix. Now, remember, we, I'm sure most of us learned this in elementary school. The prefix is like you know, something that's tacked on to the beginning of the world, like like um, the, the prefix anti. And we will have an anti show this year because um, I really want to get into the narcissism infusing the way that that particular prefix is being misused. But remember, suffixes are the words that are tacked on to the end, not words, but um, they're the like a uh, collection of letters that are tacked on to the ends of words. And so when I say the ER, I'm talking about the ER suffix that's tacked on to really stupid phrases like anti-vaxxer, anti-masker, climate change denier, um, flat earther, right? And I'm sure there are plenty of others. And the reason I'm bringing this to our attention is because it is a weapon this ER has been weaponized, right? And I talk about this in um, my pop propaganda course. I talk about it. There's a huge chunk about it in the language of betterarchy, how words and phrases are being weaponized 
such that when we use the language of the social engineers, we are acting against ourselves. We are doing harm to our own species. This is a main part of the reason why I do the work that I do with quantum languaging is to help us understand how we are sabotaging ourselves with these unconscious languaging patterns that are coded with deleterious frequencies. So the stupid ER is tacked on to um, behaviors, non-behaviors, right? To uh, voting preferences or non-voting preferences, right? Take the ridiculous one, Trumper. It's so dehumanizing. It's so bigoted. Um, and what it does is it attempts to take beliefs, actions, allegiances, um, inquiries, and conflate them with identity constructs, with types of people. Now, what is the purpose of doing this? Why would the social engineers want to insert a languaging pattern that allows us to conflate patterns of behavior or thought or inquiry with personhood. Because what it does is it removes our personhood. That's what labels do. So if I am, let's take Trumper, right? And I'm Trump neutral, right? I'm, I, I see pros, I see cons, I don't get triggered. I'm not under that particular piece of mind control. I'm very neutral when it comes to Trump. I can see um, uh, positive policies that he put through and ways that he served our country. And I can also see um, places where he didn't. Um, and of course, I'm not really a fan of his languaging patterns um, because I don't really find them helpful or respectful. But regardless, let's just take Trump because I'm Trump neutral. And, you know, anyone who gets triggered around Trump, I recommend you take a look at that because when we lose our emotional center and um, we become dysregulated at the mention of a word, we're more than likely under mind control. And again, no judgment. Um, it's a wonky world and we're all vulnerable to it. So let's take Trump. So if I am a person who voted for Trump, my personhood remains intact, right? And we respect other people. We don't inflict harm upon other people or wish harm upon other people. But if instead of being a person who voted for Trump, I become a Trumper, not only has my personhood been removed, I've been effectively demonized and dehumanized because of all the coding that has been embedded in that um, pejorative, right? That very insulting term Trumper. There are all these stories that are implied by Trumper, right? When we say the word, we're all being goaded to go along with the story that like, oh, this person is also a white supremacist who hates gay people and has guns and is into QAnon, right? Like all of the egregious associations that have been programmed into that stupid ass phrase, Trumper, right? So when we tack the ER onto something as simple as a voting preference or an allegiance, or even just like um, a liking, we're removing people's personhood and making it infinitely like massively easier to do them harm to not wish them well to withhold our compassion and our empathy to um withhold any openness to their perspectives or their ideas right all of that gets shut down and closed off with the er that's how that weaponized suffix is functioning 
Exact same thing goes with climate change denier, right? No one is a climate change denier. It's not like um, anthropologists, you know, 10,000 years from now are going to dig up a body, uh, you know, somewhere in the United States and be like, oh, look, we've discovered a climate change denier. No, it's going to be a man, the remains of a man or a woman. Um, these allegiances, these concepts, um, the, the conflating of these concepts with personhood is a big part of the polarization that you and me and all of us are being called to heal right now. Like, I'd really love for 2024 to be the year that we all come to give, together and heal this engineered divide. Take anti-masker. During lockdown, I ran into someone I hadn't seen in a couple of years and I was super happy to see him and he was extremely cold and unfriendly and not not seemingly as happy to see me. And he said, well, I heard you're an anti-masker now. And I said, I'm not an anything like I'm not an anti anything. I'm a human being. I'm your friend, Danny. Whether I choose to wear a mask myself or not has nothing to do with my personhood. And it took a good 10 minutes to like talk him down and to get him to remember that we were friends and that he actually liked me. But because of that phrase, anti-masker, right? My personhood had been removed. His personal relationship with me had been erased. Instead of being a human being whose perspective was worthy of respect, even if it wasn't the same as his, I became the enemy, right? Same with anti-vaxxer. And I have a lot of frustration hearing people who have opted out of receiving those injections, people who don't believe that those injections should be mandated, um, embracing the term anti-vaxxer because it's a term of the oppressors, right? It's a dehumanizing term that lends itself to bigotry, to stereotypes, to shoving people into these narrow, confining, suffocating boxes where all these other stories, um, you know, are supposedly just embraced along with them. Uh, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not an anything. I am a human being who um, has you know what, I don't even want to say it because it's not something that I feel is um, dignified to talk about my own personal choices, right? But I will say that like, if someone wants to go and get themselves injected with genocide or whatnot, Godspeed, I'm all about freedom. If that's what someone wants to do, they can do that. I don't need to create a label for someone who's making that choice. So this is what's happening with the ER suffix. It's being tacked on to choices and it's an attempt to create these divisions among people, right? Oh, these are the types of people who aren't worthy of your compassion, of your empathy, of listening to their perspectives because they're the crazy ER tribe. Um, climate change denier. I mean, even the denial is crazy because it's it's very similar to anti-masker and anti-vaxxer because it sets up those who are opting to do something different, like someone, I'm just moving through the world as a normal organic human. It's making it so that someone who makes the choice to put a foreign entity on their face or a foreign entity into their bloodstream. It's an attempt to normalize that choice and make those who aren't making that choices the anomalies, right? So that in itself is an inversion. We're just moving along, and I don't even want to say we because I don't want to make it an us-them, 
But under the guise of this particular weaponized languaging, it attempts to make those who they're tacking the ER onto, those who aren't making the choices that others are making, they're the weirdos. And those who are choosing to put things on their face, to put things into their bloodstream, they're the normies, right? That's, they're trying to normalize that. Something else for us to pay attention to. And also, I just want to call myself in on the normies, right? That in itself is a label. Um, and I'm not separate, right? I've been indoctrinated into this system. I was born into hierarchy. I'm unraveling the hierarchical programming um, that has been indoctrinated upon me and all of us myself. It is still a process. So same with climate change denier, right? It's an attempt to demonize people who haven't embraced the dominant narrative around climate change and to make it a, a type of identity construct versus the, there are some human beings who've bought into that narrative and there are some human beings who have not. What is the, the through line that we're all human beings, right? With that through line, divide and conquer isn't going to work. But when we eradicate that through line by removing people's humanity, by calling them climate change deniers, it's so much easier to demonize, to dehumanize, to uh, deny them the same kindness and respect that we offer our fellow human beings who aren't being shoved in these boxes. What was the other one? Um, flat earther that one is so crazy to me because i've noticed with flat earthers it's like an equal opportunity means of de dehumanization um i ran into a friend of mine at a cafe a, a couple months ago and he is and i'm not a fan of the phrase conspiracy theorist right again it's like people who do research or journalists people who question the dominant narrative so um, in that lens, this person has done quite a bit of research, like more than most people I know. He's gone through the whole common law process of um, becoming a state citizen, right? He's really deep in it. So I was very surprised when he asked what I was up to. And I mentioned that I'd been geeking out on Antarctica and the ice wall. And he said, oh, so you're a flat earther now? And I was like, at two? Like, even you are going to pull this like matrix social engineering dehumanizing propaganda nonsense on me, your friend. Um, so, you know, it's another one where it's like there are people who are courageous enough in their own inquiries where they're willing to question the shape of the planet to staple them with the phrase flat earther, again, shove them in a box. All these crazy conspiracy theorists who are so stupid, they think the earth is flat, right? And then we're in that box, we can, again, remove their humanity, demonize them, remove our empathy, our compassion, but mostly, mostly, mostly the part of our brains that is willing to entertain other perspectives and that is really the point of these lab labels that's why the cia inserted the phrase conspiracy theorists into the lexicon when people were questioning the warren commission's um you know findings that that it was a single shooter who took out jfk right that phrase was inserted into the lexicon as a means of demonizing people who are questioning the dominant narrative um, so that we wouldn't engage any real deal intellectual debate or conversation about uh, an issue that had a lot of holes in it, right? A story that had a lot of holes in it. 
So the same goes with this flat earther, where it's like, because, you know, all alleged sides and allegiances feel that it's fair game to make fun of people who are questioning the, the shape of the planet, it shuts down the conversation that would otherwise have us leaning into the inquiry and like, just being curious, like, why do you think that? Like, I don't really know anything about it, you know, please. Like, I'm so curious to know what you know. That type of conversation is shut down very intentionally by the tacking of the ER suffix onto the notion of flat earth. So, as I said, this is one tiny concept from you know the language of betterarchy, from the larger conversation about how language is being weaponized um, and is being used to sustain an outdated construct and to you know allow the divide and conquer shenanigans to continue. Um, what I am encouraging for you and me and all of us is to a do not self-identify with any of these er's even if you choose not to wear a mask not to inject yourself with genocide not to buy into the dominant climate change narrative even if you're someone who questions the, the shape of the planet or ha you know has positive feelings or um is inspired to vote for donald trump i'm going to encourage all of us to not take on this highly highly weaponized language and self-identify with any of these ridiculous er's at the same time, I'm also going to encourage us not to project any of these ERs at other people because it's super violent. It's super damaging. It's very, very bigoted, right? Because all of these ERs, all of these labels, these attempts to take, um, you know, inquiries, allegiances, non-allegiances, behaviors, non-behaviors to create identities out of them is to attempt to homogenize thought. And it is to push through the illusion that everyone who questions the shape of the planet is a crazy conspiracy theorist who's also probably a white supremacist, QAnon, Nazi, radical, lunatic, moron, right? Um, same with Trump or climate change and I, right? They're, they're loaded with these stereotypes and they come along with the implication that anyone who could be put in one of these boxes um uh, is under all of the exact same ways of thinking as the bigoted narrative about these people right it's like not all jews think the same not all women think the same not all vegans think the same not all um pediatricians think the same same goes for people who question the shape of the earth People who have chosen to vote for Donald Trump or will be voting for Donald Trump, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, let me just check check our timing here. Um, I'm just going to give you a little piece from the language of betterarchy around labels so we can just start to get a little bit of a deeper understanding as to how dangerous these are. Um, and we're coming up towards the end, so it's just going to be a little piece, but... So this is from a section, it's actually called labels. Hierarchy loves to put people into boxes and categories which function as cages that make us all the easier to divide, conquer, and control. One of hierarchy's primary methods of doing this is by labeling people. 
Labels function as shorthand for behavior patterns, preferences, and ideological allegiances we latch onto and conflate with identity constructs. When we conflate behaviors with identity constructs, we put people in narrow, limiting, stagnant boxes while removing their humanity from the equation. Labeling turns opinions and choices into homogenized cages forged of stereotypes, reductionism, and disdain. I'm going to stop there. I mean, I love this book, so I could read I could read you guys this book all day, every day. And as the new format has me at a tight 55 minutes, I'm going to cap it there. Um, as you're inspired to learn more about labels, about separation consciousness, about hierarchical coding in languaging, I definitely recommend checking out my new book, The Language of Betterarchy. As I mentioned, it is available in print, in ebook, in audio formats. Um, as well, if you yourself are wanting any coaching on your own languaging patterns, are wanting someone with a 5D word witch's ear to track where you are using language to disempower, sabotage yourself, I highly, highly recommend um, doing a languaging coaching session with me. You can find me through my websites, dannykatz.com, quantumlanguaging.com. I think that does it for this first podcast of the year. Thank you so much for sharing your sacred attention with me, for being very mindful with where you are directing your sacred attention now as well as throughout the year. Um, it is an area where we have total sovereign agency and I really, really recommend honoring your sacred attention um, and being very mindful of where you are putting it. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and I'll see you on the flip side, fam. Have a rocking day. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. There is no part two officially for this solo first podcast of the year. And I have recorded a standalone Spot the Propaganda analysis of the recent Aubrey Marcus interview with someone who will be named to the folks who go check out the video, which is available on my locals and my Patreon for my paying supporters there. See you there. <laughs> and for <laughs> clicking that subscribe button for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging coaching and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, 
You can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.